Um, I'm Sam Zellifer and I'm here with Meg Link. Together, we're hosting this year's first AIGA Atlanta Insider. So thanks for joining. Um, we're both on the in-house committee of the Atlanta chapter of AIGA. And I currently work um, for Kimberly Clark as a global brand design manager in the B2B sector. I manage the visual identities of several of the brands in our portfolio. And Meg, you wanna introduce yourself? Sure, I'm a freelance designer and illustrator. I've worked in-house for many years, so I have a lot of background in in-house companies. So together, you know, we're here today with Katie. We have a great interview with her. We're so excited to have her and her energy, you know, as we kind of kick off the new year, because I feel like January was like a blink of the eye and now it's February, but um, we're still celebrating the new year, you know, coming out of 2020. Um, so she, She's a creative director at Turner Classic Movies, a, a role that she was born to play. She told us that even as a preschooler, she responded to good design in the world and wasn't shy to share her assessments, which I think is hilarious um, and also so endearing. She grew up in a small Alabama town where she often made the newspaper for milestones like winning poster contests, robot competitions, or for being the youngest person with a booth at the local arts festival where she sold handmade gift tags. In high school, she even led art classes for fellow students since a formal program did not exist. So it was no surprise when she eventually attended SCAD. In the 20 years of her career, um, she's worked for notable media brands, including HBO Max, TBS and TNT and Creative Loafing. Um, her design work has been featured in some of her favorite publications, such as Southern Living, Country Living, Uppercase and Atlanta Magazine. Her environmental graphics have won Promax, How and Print Awards, and she's also managed to win Red Bull's Human Powered Flight Competition twice. Super exciting. Katie is full of all kinds of um, fun stories. So we'll get to, to talking to her in just a few. Um, you know, hear more about her journey and specifically how she stays inspired even when working really as like a, a small, small team. Because we know as many um, as in-house designers ourselves, and then what we've heard from many of you is that a lot of us are, are kind of living in that space. So, um, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm a team of one, so I'm really excited to dig into Katie's story with all of you. Um, but first, uh, we want to thank our tribe as always, you know, Meg and I are two members of the Atlanta AIGA in-house committee, as we mentioned, um, we're small but mighty. If you work in-house or even if you have a vested interest in in-house and want to get involved, please feel free to reach out. Lucas is our chair on the board, so he's the best contact if you're interested, and his information's online on the AIGA website. So before we officially kick off, I'm gonna hand it over to Amy Mangan for our Market Minute. She's our um, TCG partner uh, for this month's webinar. Hi guys, um, Amy Megan with TCG, the creative group, and I'm excited to share some great information about what's going on in Atlanta and nationally. If we can move over to the next slide, please. 
perfect. So some really great news about growth happening in Atlanta. I am excited to report that Southern Company and Apple are um, working together to co-launch the Propel Center Incubator uh, for Atlanta's HBCU students. So that's a wonderful. Hopefully that will continue to drive and foster diversity among the digital and creative and technology realm here in Atlanta. Um, and also Atlanta has been really busy in terms of getting a lot of venture capital funding in recent years. Um, just recently last month, Calendly raised um, $3 million to surpass their, uh, three, or $350 rather, uh, million to surpass their $3 billion valuation, which is crazy. I'm telling you that because if you are looking for a role, um, usually when companies get funding, they also post some jobs. So keep an eye on their um, website to see if you're looking for positions. And then that um, black graphic below the chart is really, really cool to look at. Um, the 2021 year to date. So this was released on the 27th of January. It is a month. And we already have 0.6 billion in uh, venture capital funding funneling into the Atlanta market, which is fantastic. Atlanta continues to grow and we have a lot of great companies who um, continue popping up all over the place here. Um, and then on the next slide, we're going to be talking about the demand for skilled talent. So Robert Half puts this out quarterly. The new 2021 hiring outlook was just released late last week. And there's a few things that I want to point out to you. Um, so basically half of the companies that we surveyed said they're planning to hire and add new positions this year. So you just think of half the companies in Atlanta, if they all add even just one position, there's a lot of job growth happening. Um, and additionally, 97% of creative and marketing managers that we that we were chatting with said that staffing does remain a challenge and something that they're concerned about. It is hard for them to fill uh, creative positions with the right skilled talent that they need. And then on the next page, it's, it's uh, specific to the creative and marketing industry specifically. So sorry, it's a fairly content heavy uh, page, but I did want to point out specifically that 70% of creative and marketing managers said that they're planning to use and hire freelance interim or contract folks this year. There's a few reasons for that. Um, in some cases, it is because they're pivoting skill sets and maybe they don't have that specific knowledge in-house. So they're just going to leverage a contractor to get that to get that done. Um, but also we are hearing very frequently now that this contract job might become full-time. And I think what's happening is companies might not exactly have that hiring freeze lifted, or they might not have the full-time headcount approved quite yet, but they're hoping to prove it. And the work is there. So they're getting the budget to at least bring in a contractor for a couple of months, get the work done, um, get that case study and, and the cost analysis um, in place so that they can take it to their leadership to say, look, we really need this person full time. Um, so if you are looking for work and maybe you weren't as open to uh, contract or freelance positions, it might be something that you want to think about as a way to kind of get your foot in the door and prove your value with the team. Um, and then also 92% uh, of um, creative leadership are saying that they are concerned about potentially losing their top in-house talent to other jobs in the next 12 months. So that is um, something we've seen. I mean, people are proactively moving jobs. It's, we've talked about it in previous market minutes um, in, in recent months. And it's, it's something that, you know, is worth mentioning and being sure that you are, in fact, paying people their value, giving them raises, giving them great work and great projects and autonomy and all the things that 
awesome creative people want, right? So um, that is just some snippets from this uh, Demand for Skilled Talent report. It is a free resource to anyone who wants it. So if you'd like a copy, my contact info is on the next slide. Um, and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email, whatever's easier. And I can make sure that we schedule time to review and get that to you. And then additionally, just the salary guide, um, that's one uh, free resource that you need to have and make sure that you're utilizing that to ensure that you are paying people their value and, and keeping your good creative talent in-house and making sure they're not making moves um, as the market continues to heat up. So with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Sam. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. I always appreciate those market minutes. Um, all right, so you know we're ten minutes in. I at this point, I'd love to introduce Katie. If you want to turn on your camera and have the grand reveal. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting. Yeah, it's great to have you here, and, and again to like kick off the year on the right foot. So um, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to start today just, you know, you work at TCM, how cool, like what an awesome place. And living in Atlanta, you know, I'm not originally from here, um, but I live right down the street and see, see the building all the time. And I know it's such a big brand. So I think, you know, to kick it off, can you tell us a little bit about your experience working at TCM? Yes, I will say it is super fun. It is as cool as it sounds. Um, I pinch myself every day that I get to work with the like amazing team. They're just so brilliant and they, you know, inspire you every day just to be around people that know so much about film and um, working so closely with different teams within the company. Uh, I love it. It's, it's, you know, it's super exciting. I love just the variety of stuff just within that one brand. We have so much to work on. So it's always fresh and, you know, keeps you on your feet and it's fun. How, what like brought you to TCM? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey getting there? Sure. So I, I went to SCAD and um, graduated from there and thought I was going to be moving to Athens for a, a job with the University uh, of Georgia. And then I wound up, 9-11 uh, happened in that day. So I was moving to Athens and on September 11th. And so my job was on hold because no gov government jobs were frozen at that time. And because it was with the school, it would have been a frozen position. So I kind of freaked out and started interviewing in Atlanta. And I got a job at um, Creative Loafing, which is a, a newspaper that we had papers all over, mostly the Southeast, but um, also in DC and Chicago. But we had a lot of fun there and you know, made a lot of really lifetime friends working at uh, Creative Loafing. And while I was there, a good friend of mine that I went to college with said, hey, we have some freelance work at Turner. He was at TBS at the time. So, you know, I worked on that stuff and it was really fun. And then I kind of got recruited to pull, I was pulled from Creative Loafing to work over at uh, Turner. And I started out at Turner working on um, TBS and TNT and also True TV. Um, some, and then also TCM. And so that was always my favorite brand because it just had this certain um, finesse to it that uh, honestly we have uh, our um, senior art director, Jen Lim, he, he's really the person that kind of created this, what you see when you watch TCM on air, the linear network is really Jen, his vision. And um, so, you know, that's really what I think people see 
is just this vision of beauty and, and making it all come together in this way. It's hard to put your hand on. So those projects were always really fun to work on. And it's, you know, we started our large events. We have a, a film festival every year in Hollywood. And we also have a cruise and it's, and those are two really awesome projects. And so I started out working on those and that are, I mean, other stuff too, but those were just like when I really started getting excited about the brand, um, long story short. So then, and, and actually this is a, um, an interesting part of the journey was in 2014, Turner laid off a bunch of people and anyone with the word print in their title was out and I had print in my title. Oh, wow. So I was laid off. And um, fortunately, TCM had these events, right? And I was so excited to be the person that Paula Shagnon decided to bring back on because she was just like, you, I really want you on our team. And so I was really lucky to be brought back shortly after I was laid off. And um, the, the reason that happened was because TCM broke off from the rest of the Turner networks okay. and they became their own thing. And so she was able to do that and bring me on. And that was when the dream started, right? And so it's just been uphill from there. I, I came on as art director um, with TCM when I joined back with just TCM. And then we oh, had the, the best time. We um, launched the our SVOD service, which was our streaming on-demand product. It was called Filmstruck. And that was really fun. It was, um, that eventually was dissolved because the company wanted to, focus all of their SVOD attention on HBO Max, which, you know, obviously is now launched. Right. But at the time there was no TCM streaming product. So that was really fun to work on from the ground up. And I was able to work on marketing campaigns for that. And um, at that point I became the senior art director. And then um, after that, Filmstruck kind of dissolved, but the good news is that then Cruise was ramping back up and there was always a lot of work to be done. There's never a dull moment. Um, and then, yeah, Can I jump in and share a few of your yes. uh, works. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, while I'm chatting you up, you can share some of this stuff. So yeah, um, this, yeah. So this is cruise. It's just a little snippet of just how wonderful the cruise is. It's so fun. We, um, it basically, it takes place on Disney ships and we rebrand the Disney ships, uh, to reflect TCM branding. And the great thing about that is that the theaters, you know, because they are also a, a movie company um, or video uh, oriented company, we're able to make sure we have excellent sound and control of the, um, the experience in a way that we feel like our values are shared uh, with the Disney values. So it's really fun to take over their gift shop and fill it up with TCM merchandise and to rebrand the atrium. That really tiny picture on the bottom right is a very small picture of the atrium, but we also have a lot more branding that we do throughout the ship, but you can see our host, uh, Ben Mankiewicz on the um, deck there by the pool side. And that's sort of like our primary stage when we're on the ship. So it's really fun. And who's the audience for the cruise? The audience, um, you know, we have a really active fan base it's amazing and it's so fun um and i honestly the cruises fill up very quickly and uh it's a, people look forward to this and save up for this event year round i would say that the cruise reflects more of our linear audience than like the festival does uh, oh i guess the festival skews a little bit younger than the cruise 
And that's understandable because there's a lot less walking, right? So it's a more controlled environment. Mm -hmm. um, and so it skews a little bit older, but uh, it's a really fun, fun group. Oh, this is a, um, now we're looking at example of some creative from the, the last live film festival that we had, which was our 10th annual film festival. And we also had, it happened to coincide with our 25th anniversary of the network. So this was an extremely fun year that you're looking at. Um, on the left bottom, you see outside the historic Grandma Chinese, Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard, we, 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 we have a red carpet and we rebrand that whole experience or it, we brand that whole experience as a TCM experience and have an opening night movie and talent comes like this year, um, the year that you see was when Harry met Sally and we, you know, the cast was there and we had just a really fun time making that experience unique. Um, and as you can see, so Billy Crystal was in that movie and we also honored Billy Crystal in a handed footprint ceremony on the bottom right. And that's just a little snippet of what that experience is like. And so just being able to um, brand something TCM and just and see this as a whole is really fun. Um, the top right, you, this is one of our traditions every year. I get to create this big um, montage, we call it. And it's basically a life-size background that people can go and stand in front of and, and take their selfies or pictures with. And it's, um, 20 feet wide and 10 feet tall. Um, and what I do is I'll take a setting from one of the movies that we're screening and I'll take talent from all the movies that we're screening and I'll create this one um, environment that they're all living together in. And then you can go take your picture in front of it. Um, and then in, in the, the top middle, that was a really fun, this, this, that was actually from our ninth annual festival, but that was a really fun tradition that we just, that we had started that year uh, where uh, that was the year that our Ro Robert Osborne, our primary host, passed away, and he was a, just so loved by the film community, um, and he was a big advocate for film restoration, and this was the year that I got to design a, an award, which was really a fun experience um, to go through that whole process. We use the same people that create the Oscars and so just going through the process of what finish do you want how much you know how heavy do you want this thing what color what's the concept and just working through all of that and we really tried to capture Robert's vision and his passion when creating the award which is a nod to an old film canister and embedded in the award is a loop which is a sort of like a magnifying glass that you use to look at film um, or the restorers use when they're looking at film. So anyway, long story short, that is the first year that the award was presented and Leonardo DiCaprio presented the award to Martin Scorsese. So it's pretty fun to say that I know that uh, Martin Scorsese has an award that I made on his mantelpiece or in his trash can, I'm not sure, which, but. I'm sure prominently displayed on his mantle. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, these slides are helpful too, just to have some visuals for the work that you do, because it sounds like your work really spans a broad spectrum of, of touch points. Yes, and that's what I love about these, you know, most any project at TCM is that it really is a 360 experience. You're really having to think about it from the start to the end before you even get move in on the graphics, because you want to make sure that whatever you design is going to work 
you know, as a 30 foot tall graphic or as a tiny lapel pin on someone's that pass that people collect, you know, so you really want to think through everything in that kind of mindset because you're, you're designing pieces for on air um, that, that lead up to the event. You're designing pieces that are shown in the theater prior to screenings. You're designing pieces or graphics that are going to be used on air during the event when, when you're showing live footage from the event on the linear product. We're, we're designing, um, you know, apps, out of home, activations, merchandise, you know, you name it. So just knowing like pack pocket guides, I mean, it, you could go on and on, but you know, this is a really big deal. This is another thing that people really save up for. Um, you know, there are hundreds of events at, at this one festival, there would be like over a hundred events and over 80 screenings. So it's really, um, it's a big deal. That's a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of time to do it. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm sure like you have to work with, you know, partners across the board. And we talked about this a little bit, you know, when we were kind of doing the, the pre-meets before the actual webinar. But um, I'm curious, like, you know, what types of multifunctional counterparts do you have across the board and how do you guys collaborate to bring these events to life? Yeah, well, you know, the good thing about the TCM team is that we're really small and um, the whole network full-time is somewhere around 50 people or something, but the, but the brand creative team, which is the team that I'm in is only seven full-time employees. We do have three temps that help us out and they're so amazing, but um, you know, and I say that because we all know each other really well and we're really close. So, um, you know, I think that we trust each other and we, uh, we know what the other people are capable of and we just notice it, you know, cause we're all very busy because we're so small right. and we do a lot. Um, so, and I think that we, as a network are really a, a more creative brand than maybe other corporations, yeah. you know, because you made that comment when we were talking and that, that kind of stuck with me because I've, all my experience has been on, you know, the corporate side where really, I mean, it's all different types of people from finance to research and development to marketing. And so, yeah, it, you know, I spend a lot of time just educating people on what design is and why it's important and why you should invest in it. And so it's interesting to me to hear from you that you're on a team of people that have different types of creative disciplines, but that you all kind of share that commonality. Um, right. And I think that stems from film, right? Because if right. you're really interested in film, you already have an understanding of art and, and the importance of it. So even if you are, uh, you know, in PR or finance or other things, you're working in an industry that's very creative. So I think that that helps, helps a lot. It helps us, you know, we understand the shorthand and can visualize things um, without having to flush it, you know, all the way through. So that's kind of nice. Right. You can get alignment, like probably earlier on with concepts rather than like, at least that's been my experience. You have to like really prove things out to help bring people along on the journey. Um, because right. that really has the ability to kind of see the potential. And I think too, in our case, we don't have a lot of time, right? So everything is really, really fast. You know, we're a linear network, it's on all the time. And we also have these big events, you know, and we're always designing for something that's coming up. So, you know, not to mention our tent, like the big major programming temples that we have, you know, those all require a lot of bandwidth. And because right. we're so small, we know we have to just go, go, go. You can't really like him and haul. I'm not real sure. I'm going to think on that. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of time for that. So I think we understand that and try to respect that for each of the teams. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, 
Awesome. Well, it's great hearing about like the type of work that you're doing at TCM. I think the slides were great. So thank you for sharing the visuals because it's nice to kind of have that. Um, yeah, it's just fun. But I'm, I'm kind of interested to, to transition a little bit. You know, you're talking about how small the teams are. Um, you guys are, are pretty nimble. You work quickly. And in, in my past experience, you know, I find like I've worked on really large teams. I mean, as a designer, I'm kind of the only designer, but having, you know, broader teams kind of helps keep me inspired. And I mean, I'm a very extroverted person. So just having conversations with people like that's inspiration to me. But I'm interested, you know, as as this is this creative island, you know, what do you do to kind of stay, um, stay sharp and to stay inspired and to keep your creative juices flowing so that you can bring your best self to work? Well, I'm an introvert. Just kidding. I'm so not an introvert. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> <laughs> No, so I can, I can relate to like, I, I love to socialize and I really miss that, right? Because there was so much inspiration and in just running into people and going, oh, right. tell me about your latest chicken recipe or, you know, whatever. So that was really, you know, I miss those, but I, I do not miss the word dongle in every meeting. Like I never want to hear about dongles ever again. So I'm so glad that, you know, the virtual meetings, you don't have to worry about, oh, you know, does anybody, did anybody bring their dongle? I can't hook up to the audio. But um, to stay inspired, I will say that, you know, I think that I'm just really lucky because I grew up in a family that uh, always encouraged creativity. So it, creativity and being inspired was always accessible to me. And I, it was something that my mom is really creative and she was always just so awesome at juggling a bunch of different stuff and, she, and just, I guess, sort of like seeing the big picture. And she did a lot of events um, she was in marketing. So she did a lot of events and she also volunteered a lot in our, in our small town. So just seeing that, like how being busy and having a lot to do was a way to keep your mind occupied. And also like my dad is really great with people. He was in sales and, um, he always had this way of kind of showing how it was great to have relationships and to, to talk to people. And then also, you know, he was a mechanic. So it was really great growing up with a mechanic as a dad he was really engineering minded so he would fix everything and I think I was really lucky to get that ability to kind of fix stuff and I think that's why I love old stuff right you know I have a bunch I have an old house I have old hobbies I work at a network that's for classic films I think it's just it it stems from that right and so I think because family is such a source of inspiration for me and growing up with a sister that was also really creative um that we just, she and I would would just like cut stuff up all the time or make a nest or, you know, see what would happen if we melted this and, you know, <laughs> just kind of fun, just tooling around because what else are you gonna do before there was internet? So, um, you know, but so family is definitely key for me and in inspiration. And, you know, I have my young, my young kids, I have two young children that are in elementary school so um, I kind of use them as my inspiration a lot. We end up doing, uh, we have a lot of annual traditions. So as a family, we will create um, holiday cards together and we come up with the idea and we'll draw them and we print that we have eight tons of printing equipment in our garage. So we print them here, we die cut them here, we assemble them here um, and you know, it's, it's a family affair. It's really fun. Um, also my husband's a musician and he, uh, and so we 
often will record family songs together, or we often oh. sing karaoke, and we've also oh done uh, family, family recordings, which, you know, don't think they're awesome, okay, because, you know, it's, it, what is awesome is that we don't care. It is just fun, and we just record it and share it, and don't, if, you know, it's just, that's, that's just the beauty of it, but also this year, we, we kind of went all out because of COVID, or 2020, I should say, and we turned our house into a monster. And that was seriously so fun. We put, it was like uh, four foot eyeballs on the scene, on the roof and like that withstood two hurricanes. My husband was so afraid that it was gonna fall down. And like every time it would be windy, we were just like, is it gonna fall? Is the monster gonna die? Um, and we had, you know, teeth coming out of the, the porch and it was just really great. I wish I had a picture of that to yeah, show. I was like, that's what we need to that picture. That was so, that was really fun. <laughs> Um, but we also like, we would blow eggs every, um, Easter we'll blow out the yolk and the whites and then we dry them and we do like a old traditional ways of painting eggs. And we cook, do that every year and we hang them up on our little Easter egg tree. So that's fun. Um, we do like a, a, a time capsule ornament for our Christmas tree each year. So that's kind of fun, but I, I'm, I'm doing, giving you all these examples because this is how I stay inspired, right? I make sure that yeah. I always have these things that I can do with my family. Um, and, you know, my husband and I, we're like a super great team and we um, inspire each other. We work really well together. And so we stay inspired. We, we bought this old house. We live in a 125 year old home. So, you know, just it, being able to renovate that together because we yeah. love that kind of stuff. And then, um, our letterpress stuff, you know, that's another source of inspiration. Um, and also I will say, you know, I think, sorry to keep going on and on, no. but I think it's really important to set goals, right? I think yeah. that, that inspires me. So I like to set sort of short-term or daily doable goals or things mm -hmm. that I feel like uh, I love to track data. My sister and I are kind of obsessed with data tracking. Mm -hmm. So I like just knowing that I can each day, just check off. Did I give thanks? You know, have I shown gratitude today? Have I, you know, um, had a, a moment to just stretch and get away from my desk and that kind of thing? Just making sure that I'm, I'm, I have short-term goals and it's, I'm gonna be fully vulnerable. But I track it every day. Oh, like, oh yeah. Where I'll like check off, you know. <laughs> what have I done? And it's like, so these are like my short-term goals. And then I also set like super long-term goals. I think that setting long-term goals is also really important. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, this is an example for my past, but like, okay, I want to be debt-free by the time I'm 30 years old. And, you know, graduating from a private school, my dad was very supportive with that, but I still, you know, somehow wound up with a, a whole bunch of debt. And then, so just making sure that I stayed on track and that I paid all that off and knew I had a clean slate by the time I was 30 or uh, learning yeah. a language, you know, setting a, like, I want to learn this language and oh. I'm going to go do that, you know, so that yeah. kind of goal, like it's not, has nothing to do with work, but. Right. Yeah, no, I, that was one of the stories that when we, when we met before you talked about like learning German and then spending a summer in Germany. I mean, that like blew my mind because I like, what, like a cool thing to do. And I, I think it's interesting too. Like I was just like, since we've talked, I've been kind of reflecting on, on, you know, this topic of inspiration and, 
you know, I shared with you, I have a two-year-old at home and I'm actually pregnant right now, expecting at the beginning of June. Yeah. And so I'm kind of in this like transition point in my life, you know, where I went from being kind of a single person to a married person to now a person who's responsible for other people. And like what I find inspirational and like how my, my time is divided is just different but that's not a good or bad thing. It's just like where I'm at in my life. So hearing some of your stories, you know, I was reflecting on that, like some of the things you did, you know, in your twenties versus when you got into your thirties and had kids, like it, it was really, um, I think helpful to just hear that, you know, those things change and evolve, but that's not a bad thing. That's a really exciting thing about life. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your learning German? Cause I just feel like that was a really fun story. Oh, that was, yeah, that is an interesting story. Um, well, I, full disclosure, I come from German heritage, so I had a lot of German traditions in my family, but no one around me ever spoke German. Um, but I went to travel and study abroad with SCAD. Um, we studied in France and Italy. And so at the end of that school year, it was the beginning of the summer. And, um, and I decided I was going to stay back. I didn't want to go back with the rest of the class. So I stayed behind in Europe and I was by myself. And um, that was, you know, that, that's just speak, I, I'm very independent, right? And I'm also very stubborn. So yeah. I was just like, I can do this, I will do this, and I am doing this. So it was just one of those things where I stayed behind, but I didn't really have a game plan, you know, <laughs> like, okay, so where do you stay? And where do you go from here? Like, so I wound up kind of faltering there and, and just, having to figure out what to do because it didn't have a whole lot of money either um and so a, a lot of times I just like duck into a bush or you know whatever or but I, I was like you know making friends and so a lot of times people would uh let me stay so I befriended one girl that like worked at a hotel and so she would let me you know crash at the hotel or whatever you know trying to be yeah. find a way to stay somewhere but so as I was traveling around Europe, um, I would draw pictures because being an artist and I had my art supplies with me because I'd just come out of school. And right. I wound up drawing a lot of these postcard sized images. They're very line art looking. And, um, and I love following Urban Sketchers, by the way, on Instagram, because it reminds me so much of when I um, would do this. So uh, when I, would draw, I just would set them out and I just started kind of collecting them up. I was like, I really should be selling these because I need some money, you know? So I just tried it and and I wound up making, you know, enough money to, to get food and stuff. And it was really fun. It was a great experience. It made me up my drawing and that, and I had a purpose like because before I was just kind of like, I don't know, you know, just wandering around. And so I noticed that as I was traveling around, the people that were buying my drawings were German people. It didn't matter where I was, but uh, you know, it just always kind of came to be that they were German people. So I thought, wow, I really like survived the summer thanks to people. I, I, it wouldn't matter if I was in Prague or where I was, it was always Germans buying my drawings. And I kind of got a kick out of that, right? So I was like, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and I'm going to learn German and I'm going to come back and I'm going to live here and I'm only going to speak German. So I let myself... Um, study for two years and I did that I wound up going back and living there and only speaking German and having a great time and I lived in Berlin it was really really fun 
I love Berlin. I highly recommend it if you can if you have an opportunity to go. Um, but yeah, I mean that was that was kind of like goal done. And then now try to ask ask me to say anything in German. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I, I forgot all of it. Yeah, I think like, I told you like I, 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 I know checkbox next. And so I like I downloaded a couple of years ago the um, the Duolingo app. I think yeah. I told you about that. And I was like, I'm just gonna see how much German I remember. It was like 20%. You know, I was just like, oh, more. You know, all that effort I put into that. You know, yeah. if I'd only just kept it up, but I didn't. Yeah. Now you're on to other things like, you know, making cute Easter egg trees with your family. So it's all good. <laughs> um. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing some of those. I think it, again, like it's really helpful to kind of hear like, you know, different things that you do to, to you know, stay inspired and, and to kind of keep your creative edge and like it evolves with time. I think we had a couple of questions in the chat. Um, one, I think Jill, she's asking if, you know, as an extrovert as well, you know, she's looking for advice on, you know, how do you, how do you collaborate? You know, how do you stay in touch? Like, it's great when you've got people in your household, but how do you collaborate with folks, you know, virtually? Is there any, any tips that you have for that? Well, you know what? I think the more that you do hop on virtual calls with people, like at first it might seem annoying or whatever, not the same, but you start to adjust how to make that work for you. And I think that, you know, in my experience with my team, we get together pretty often. And um, if you have a lot of design work to do, that's not a great thing. But what is a great thing is it does make you adjust to the platform and you start to learn how to collaborate virtually. And that's a great skill set to have and hone. So I would recommend just doing more virtual meetups. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that experience too. It forces you to kind of get creative with how you use the tools and especially in like a creative setting. I don't know. We kind of are using multiple platforms and things and you just, there's so many tools that have evolved over the last, I mean, few months, right? Out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I have a couple of funny questions. If you're gonna take them right now. Um, what's your favorite- What's your color? mom's favorite mac and cheese recipe? Oh, look, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, I'll link sorry. that later. <laughs> what's your favorite color, Katie? Um, I would say teal, TCM teal. Oh, nice. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what, um, do you have a favorite karaoke song? I do. Uh, kind of embarrassing one. So I would say Jane by Jefferson Starship is my number one favorite one to sing of all time. Runner up, foreigner, jukebox hero. Oh, I love also jukebox. love Wet Willie, um, Keep on Smiling. That's another one. Hometown shout out um yeah those are my those are my faves I love anything classic classic rock I also love JJ Fad supersonic that was my first single so I loved practicing on the instrumental only side making sure I had all those lyrics dialed in so I was just greasing my wheels for the karaoke experience so yeah cool, all that but what was the last song that your family did together um, we recorded Edelweiss actually uh, for Christmas. That was like the, we, we recorded that song for a friend of ours, Mary Valente. She is the best. She's our dear neighbor. But we also sang it. We call, so we couldn't Christmas Carol. 
so we wound up calling our um, families and singing um, some Christmas songs uh, virtually. So that was fun. And Edelweiss was one of the songs that we sang. And then we wound up um, recording that one. But right now we're working on um, Please, Please, Please. So that, that's, uh, you know, Bumworsi. So we love that song. So we're working on that one right now. Nice. Please, please, please let me get what I want. Just so everyone knows the whole name. <laughs> so Katie, awesome. I have to ask. Okay. What is your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> oh, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, okay. Classic movie, Sunset Boulevard. Favorite movie of all time, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, no question. It's a good one. <laughs> um, well, I just had another little like a topic that I wanted to make sure we cover in our hour and then we can, you know, open up for Q&A if folks have stuff like Again, like we're, we're kind of open, even though this is webinar format. So please feel free to populate either the Q&A or the chat. Um, but Katie, I did want to talk to you and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but interested if you can articulate like how the outlook on your career and, and design has kind of changed, you know, throughout your life. Because again, like we, we've touched on the topic of, you know, going through these different stages of being a young professional and, you know, um, starting a family and, and all these things as you kind of move through. And I've really appreciated your um, openness to talk about this because, you know, it's something like I, I've shared before that I was the first person in my family to go to college. So, you know, when I, when it came time to start making decisions about even my career path, like I always knew I wanted to be a mom, but wasn't really sure what that meant. And so in the first couple internships I had, I was seeking people out that I thought were like, awesome female leaders who also had kids and I remember talking to them like how do you how do you do it like what do you and everybody's story is different you know but um for me you know I think that's really helpful and, and in the context of design you know because I think um I don't know I don't know a lot of like female leaders in design and like how they manage all these different facets of their identity so um if you can share with us just like a little bit like how has some of those you know, your thoughts around these things evolved over time as you've, you know, become a wife or a mother, or, you know, you take on these different roles. Yeah, I mean, I would say, number one, if uh, the most important thing is to find a supportive spouse, because if you don't have that, you're setting yourself up for some real problems. I mean, I fortunately have like the most supportive spouse, um, and he really encourages me to do what I need. And so that having that, like I don't have, feel inhibited at all with my family. I feel actually even more inspired thanks to my family. Um, and, you know, just being spontaneous, like you were saying, uh, like we were talking about before, I think that that plays a big part and just, um, you know, making sure you're true to yourself. And, you know, I can't say to answer your question though, um, I can't say that I have anything specific to share other than just, you know, really listening to yourself. And like you said, um, asking questions to people with similar goals to where you see yourself. Um, but really and truly like just listen to your, listen to yourself because so many people don't do that. And, um, and I think that that's really the most important thing a woman can do is to just make sure that you give yourself grace, you give yourself time, and that you allow yourself, you know, even with kids, just a moment to yourself to take it in and, and be grateful for what you have and just go for it. You know, just do it, do what you want to do and make it happen. 
Very cool. You're getting a lot of love in the chat right now. Someone just asked, how do you stay such an amazing person? So I think you summed it up right there. <laughs> yes, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yes and no, spontaneity, that's the answer to everything. <laughs> Keep it fresh. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Meg, do we have any other questions in the chat that we want to take? Yes. So um, someone wants to know what percentage of your job is still print design? Because it seems like a lot of multimedia, multimedia design experience is a big component of what you're doing at TCM. Yeah, so I would say, you know, because my background is print, um, now my, you know, my role now is more about brand continuity and just making sure that uh, across all the platforms and, you know, all of the different franchises that things look, look aligned across the board. That wasn't always the case. So it's really nice to be a part of that where we're all kind of working together on digital and all the different um, parts of the network. But uh, I, I'm sorry, like uh, to answer the question, I think I would say that what I do when I'm personally designing or helping with this branding experience, I'm mostly doing print and I'm mostly doing, um, you know, and when I say print, that means out of home, um, buildings, you know, wraps, that kind of stuff include, and pocket guides and actual printed pieces, but um, that people hold in their hands, but you know, anything that's in the experience, I would say most of what I personally do is print. That's really cool. And can you tell me what is your favorite project that you've ever done at TCM? That's a hard one, I know. <laughs> it is hard because, you know, I love the things that have a lot of pieces, um, like the cruise and the festival. But because I've already talked about those, I'm going to say probably when I got to do a couple of years of the AFI, um, that's the, the American Film Institute, they have a Life Achievement Award that they do annually. And, um, and it was really awesome to work on that. I got to do the one for Steve Martin and also um, the one for Jane Fonda and just working on um, another experience to that level, but uh, a different type of experience. So this, when I was working on the AFI stuff, that was when I was with TBS, TNT and TCM. Oh, here's Jane. So uh, <laughs> this was really fun. Uh, working on this, um, the bottom is basically what I, the, the concept of this was that it was like a timeline. So that, um, and I read her book. So I knew the films that were really important to her personally. So uh, you, she would get out of the car on the right-hand side of this red carpet, and then she would walk along this experience with this timeline along the bottom of you know, milestone titles. But then I had life-sized uh, models of her, life-size printouts of her on the actual step and repeat. As she would walk down, she would you know, start it out her first film. Um, and then like, as she would get older, and just making sure that those um, images could hold up and that they had legs. Because uh, the, if you see along the bottom there, the timeline is kind of covering up parts of the legs. And that was because I didn't have full body shots. So I was having to like kind of create legs and really fill out the space, even when the, when the photo wasn't complete and then, um, and kind of fake it. And then the last one I did have of her, so of her full body. So I put that as like the hero image, but really it was about what could I do with the images that were available and that would hold up in large format. So that was a really fun piece. And, um, and she really loved it. She interacted with uh, all along the way. And that was really cool. And she actually was so gracious. She called Turner and 
and made sure that I knew that, you know, that she was, that she loved it. And, and I want to also just say that all of these um, events that I do that are really big like this would not be possible without like the super talented dude, Nick Lamoureux. He is such a like logistics um, king. He just like really has mastered installation. So just be, having someone that's on the install side that also understands design and environment stuff is really, really key. So the fact that, you know, we're, I'm able to pull off any of this big stuff it really has a lot to do with him and having someone that has that skill set. Yeah, totally. I've done a couple of installations in, in my, um, in my job, like for trade shows and things like that, but definitely having somebody like the technical understanding of it, but also an appreciation of design, like makes a world of a difference. Absolutely. And being able to visualize the space, um, you know, one thing that I love about his skill set that I don't have and wish that I had a little bit more experience with was um, with 3D modeling and working with SketchUp. Mm -hmm. That's something that I really, uh, I've been with during COVID, um, I've been working on that. And so just trying to hone those skills, just because I personally am interested in that kind of thing, just with the graphics and environmental stuff. Right on. Um, I wanted to ask you, sorry, when you were talking about the Jane Fonda um, installation, I was interested in like, when you do these projects, what type of research you have to do? Like you mentioned, you read her book. Do you do that often to kind of get a better understanding of you know, the different actors you're featuring or the different movies you're representing? Like what does the research I, look like or preparation for these things? Well, fortunately, most of the time it's watching movies because that's mostly yeah. you know what we're, what we're all about. But Sometimes when you're doing um, a piece that's more uh, deep, a deeper dive, like for example, this was about her whole life's work, yeah. right? So, um, but understanding when you're creating an event for a specific person, I wanted to make sure that I understood what was meaningful to her as a person, not necessarily as a viewer, because she might hate a certain movie, right. um, Barbarella, for example. Like you may, you, may, you may just not, you may want to steer clear of certain movies um, but if you, if you, like, uh, we're working on another, another project now that's sort of a broad subject, and I, so I have been reading books of, regarding that subject, ver, you know, versus, like, a, a, an artist, ver, you know, or a movie, you know, it just depends on the project, but yeah, I do, I do try to do my fair share of research. Yeah, that just sounds like a lot of fun compared to like researching about restrooms and toilet paper like what I do, so. I don't know. I think that actually- Glamorous. I'm gonna, <laughs> I would, I think that sounds fun. It's an experience, um, right? It is, it is, definitely, definitely. I've learned about so much design. about like manufacturing processes. Oh my gosh. Um, no, but we have about 10 minutes. I do have a couple like fun questions um, that we, we kind of save for the end. Um, uh, one, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten in your career? Um, you know, this isn't really like so much advice, but it's something that, I, that always stuck with me since college. One of my professors said like, look, you know, you can learn the software all you want, but you cannot teach taste. Like you have to have good taste to really pull things off. And I, I always really loved that. Um, and, you know, that, so that's something that I would say that I, 
often think about like when I'm looking for talent to help to help me with projects and stuff is just to make sure they have good taste because a lot of times they can learn the software um, or if you know if they're beginners like you want to make they may not have the experience on the software so it's nice to know that they at least have a good sensibility right um, another thing that I love is uh, I don't remember where I heard this one but that luck is like preparation meets opportunity yeah, so, so like you, you know you aren't you aren't lucky it's that you are really putting in the work that it takes and then that opportunity is presented to you so I really like thinking like that and I'm, I can't really quite remember where I heard that one yeah I think that's a really good one um the second question we have what is the best or like most fun COVID saved ac activity in Atlanta I don't know about you guys, but I think my backyard camping is pretty <laughs> awesome. So I would say, uh, you know, we haven't really done a whole lot of COVID stuff. Um, we've, we've been pretty, pretty staying at home. We haven't really gone out much at all. So backyard camping all the way. That sounds like so much fun. We actually, um, my brother-in-law lives in Michigan. We drove to Michigan the whole way. Yeah. We hadn't seen them all year, so we went and they have a house in the backyard because we live in a condo and we camped in their backyard and it was really fun. <laughs> I think was it like, really cold? Michigan, I'm like, well, snow. It was yes, it was cold. We went in October. So yes, it was chilly, but they had a campfire. Like it it felt like we were camping. It was really nice. You didn't have to shovel out to make room for your tents <laughs> or anything? No. Okay. All right, that's doable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we we've also been hitting a lot of the parks in Atlanta. That's my favorite thing, not being from here. I think uh, whenever people ask me what I like about, about Atlanta, like I love the green space. There's so many good parks. And again, I have that two-year-old that has to get energy out and like the condo is not enough. So we've been venturing to parks a lot and have discovered a lot of- Oh, really I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have a lot of really awesome parks. It's true. Yeah. Um, the last question I have for you is if you weren't a designer, what would you be doing? Okay, so I'm going to- I think that this requires a two-part answer. Number one, if it was a tangential job, like let's say that it's not graphic design, but it's close to graphic design, okay. I would probably be print, you know, like printmaker or which I kind of am, do, I do that anyway. Um, or I would say a lettering artist, something like that. But if it was something that was not so, so close to design, I'd say probably like historic preservation, just, you know, to go back into my love of old things. Right. Um, and I love property and, you know, spaces. So I think that that would appeal to me as well. Oh yeah. That makes total sense based on everything you've shared with us today. Awesome. Good stuff. Meg, do we have any other questions queued up? I, I'm. Yeah. So um, someone wanted to know, how do you stay creative during a pandemic? Like we know it's hard to, you know, find creativity, especially when you're cooped up in home. So how, where do you find it? Oh, in my garage. I, I was telling you guys, I have the printing equipment, right? So I, I have this year's Christmas card right here that, um, so we'll like, I drew this and then it has this interactive like component that tells you what we did throughout the year. And just thinking about this kind of stuff just makes me so happy. And it's two-sided, has like my oh. kids. And, but yeah, so this is fun. That's like, I love thinking about this kind of stuff. This was the year before. Um, this is like, I, I dreamt this one. This one was like a gingerbread house. And then 
Sorry, this one has not been opened. Huh. And I gotta crack the seal on this one. And then you open it up. Oh. And there are the kids in there. It's <laughs> sweet. And then, oh wait, does anybody need to know how to make a gingerbread? Nice. And I asked my kids, I was like, hey, Raleigh, how do you make gingerbread? And she's like, um, two cups of ginger. And so anyway, I got their recipes if anybody wants. Stevie's has ham in hers. So if any, oh, five pieces of pepperoni, whole ham. So if anybody wants a really good gingerbread recipe, I recommend that one. Um, we're getting raving reviews about that. Also, like uh, coming up with, um, this was, I don't know why I love this so much. So one year I was like, I'm going to come up with a card with a kickstand. Why don't, so I, this was this year's card or, or in 2017. And um, same thing, my trusty dusty doors. And then uh, in each one, I put like little facts about what the kids said that year. This was not the final picture. This is a mock-up, but, and on the back, I came up with this little um, kind of kickstand action so that oh, you can profit it. on your yeah. table. So that was kind of fun. I love that. Um, so anyway, to stay, I don't need a whole lot of um, trying to figure out how to stay creative or whatever. I think like my mind just automatically, like I was saying, you know, cause of my family, like I think that we, that's what we did when we were bored. We were just like constantly creating and or cooking, cooking. That's another big one. New York times cooking app. There's a plug official. Yep. <laughs> yep. Official. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, good. I'm just seeing you're yeah. I mean, more love in the chat. Love the cards. Coolest mom ever. <laughs> Coolest activities. So fun. Um, hey, you too can be a cool mom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Awesome. Well, Katie, today has been so great. Thank you so much for the time and for just being open and sharing some of your fun stories and, and how you stay cool really oh, it's so fun thank you again I'm so grateful for this time and uh, you know please don't hesitate to reach out if anybody wants to ask questions I have you can find me on LinkedIn or at katie at katiedaniels.com anybody that's you know looking just to ask questions in general don't hesitate to reach out awesome thanks and thanks everyone for joining today we'll be back next month we'll see you then take care bye